The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if you've been around Ecclesia for a while, you probably picked up on the fact that I have this little practice before I teach, before I preach anywhere, where I pray uh, that God would pour through me the gift of teaching. And there's a specific reason, there's a way that I learned that. When I was in college, there was a very popular preacher in the town where we went to college, and this is one of the things that he started. So all of us who are my age, who are in school about that time, like we've all adopted that practice, that prayer. And so um, all of my friends who I was in school with, wherever they're preaching, wherever they're teaching, um, nine times out of 10, before they begin, they will begin with a prayer very much like that. And there's a reason. Like it's not just like to get the jitters out or to settle people, but as a reminder, both to us and an acknowledgement that our work, what is happening, is not created by our effort, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit. That that no matter what we do, how hard we work, how diligent, regardless of how it's received or rejected, that this event is a work of the Spirit. And it hadn't always been that way with me because there were times in my life where I was not very interested in the Holy Spirit at all. So about 12 years ago, our family moved from Houston to California. We were right on the northern edge of Silicon Valley. And we didn't know very many people in the church there and we knew no one in the town. And so we were trying to get to know people. And, and my youngest daughter had just started preschool at another church in town. And so I, I met their pastor. And I was talking to him one day, I said, I don't really know anybody. I don't even know uh, many of the other pastors around. So do you mind, like, can we like have lunch, get together sometime? And he said, I'll do you one better. There's this group of pastors that I get together with. We get together about once a month and we just kind of hang out and pray and do all that stuff together. So you can come to that. It, actually, it's just coming up next week so we can go together. So the next week comes, I drive over, drop my daughter off at the preschool. I meet him. He shows me around their church building. We hop in his car and we drive from Redwood City, California, just up the street to San Mateo, where we're gonna meet all of these pastors. And I walk in and there are about 10, 15 pa pastors in the room. And one of the things that you might not know if you're not a pastor is when pastors get together, the first casualty is the truth. Because here's how it goes. Everybody lies about their church. How are things going at your church? Oh, they're great. It's incredible. It's hardly ever great. It's hardly ever incredible. Like whatever, when people ask, well, how, how big, how is the size of your church? Whatever it is, if a pastor tells you a number, regardless of what number it is, about anything, if a pastor tells you a number, like just dial that down by about five to 10%, and you will start to get in the realm of the truth. So we go through all of that, um, all of that chest thumping that, that pastors do when we all get together and we decide, okay, it's time to pray. So we're sitting in this circle like you've done a million times probably with a group of people 
And the guy like two chairs over for me starts praying. And it's very much like every prayer that you've ever heard. Like, you know, like God is good, all of those kinds of things. But in the middle of this prayer, this guy sitting opposite me in the circle, he gets up and starts walking around. Now, I'm from a church tradition where when we were praying, people don't get up and start walking around. But I'm starting to, I'm thinking, okay, you know, like maybe he's got like tight hamstrings or something wrong with his back, like just kind of getting loose. And so he's walking around the circle and then he starts like jumping, like jumping. And, and this other guy's still praying and everyone else is acting like this is totally normal. But then he starts praying, but he doesn't just start praying. He starts saying a bunch of stuff and I have no clue in the world what he's saying because he is praying in tongues. And I'm sitting there like, does anybody else think that this is crazy? And then it started with everybody, like not just him, but it was like popcorn, like one after another started jumping up and they started praying and some in English and some in tongues, like all at the same time. And I, they, they were having a genuine experience of the Holy Spirit. And I was having a genuine experience of being the most uncomfortable I have ever been in my life. <laughs> and they just did that for a while. And it wasn't, it wasn't incredibly long because one of my thoughts was like, how long is this going to go on and how can I get out of here and why didn't I drive myself? <laughs> so it wasn't terribly long and then we were done and we left and got back in the car and my friend who had driven me over and he goes, wasn't that great? experience and I'm, yeah. but they had had together like this genuine experience of the Holy Spirit that, that's definitely what they would say and I had not and part of the reason was that, and maybe you're like this, some of you I know definitely are, like the religious tradition, the Christian tradition that you were raised in, like just did not have space, did not have room for that kind of experience. As a matter of fact, when I was little, we were called, our church believed in this thing called cessationism. We were cessationist. And here's what that word means if you've never heard it before, that basically after the last events of the New Testament happened, the Holy Spirit stopped working. It ceased, it was done. The only other thing that the Holy Spirit ever did was inspire the Bible. So all of the inspiration, all of the Holy Spirit that you need, like it's in the Bible. We were cessationist, it had ceased, which is really convenient because that outlook, that position means that you can open up the scriptures and you can read in the Old Testament and the New Testament about the Spirit doing all sorts of things, about people 
being healed and folks being inspired. You can read about the Holy Spirit moving all the way through the book of Acts to empower the church. But if you've got like a secessionist view, then you don't have to explain anything else that happens ever. You don't have to try to discern it or judge it. You don't have to ask it any questions because all of it stopped when the Bible stopped. And some of us, maybe we don't have that kind of lockdown view of the Holy Spirit, but maybe in practice we do. And and I get that because all of us have seen televangelists and faith healers and anybody can say that the Holy Spirit told them to do anything and almost use it as kind of a trump card to do whatever they want to do. And none of us, none of us want to have to defend like Benny Hinn standing in front of a hundred people and taking off his jacket and waving it and them all just like falling out flat. And so when we look at our friends, we look at our family members and we talk about following Jesus, like we don't want to be associated with that. Like we're embarrassed by that or or, or worse, like the people who tell them like the Holy Spirit, like told them, you know, to park in parking lot A rather than parking lot B or folks who just do the whole name it and claim it sort of thing. Like I get it. Like we want to distance ourselves from all of that. But on the other hand, I wouldn't have to look too hard in this room for people who have had an experience of God, an experience of the Holy Spirit that they can't name. They can't explain it. They can't argue for it. And maybe we don't talk about it with everyone, very few of us would wear that kind of thing on our sleeve. But there are enough of us who have had these kinds of experiences that we believe it, even if we're really quiet about it. And so Ecclesia, if you've been around for the last two months, you know that we have been talking about enchantment and seeing God in an enchanted world. That that God is all around us. And one of the things that we've highlighted is that noticing God's enchanted world has a lot to do with just paying attention. But what about, what about the ways that God is present? Maybe even obviously present in some, in, in some things that we have just dismissed, that we've discounted. And it was in this prayer circle that God began to unravel for me that the Holy Spirit might actually be active and involved in life all of the time. And it wasn't just that, because it wasn't too long after all of that, 
that I started being invited to conferences and churches and retreats. And not all of those people who invited me into those spaces were raised like I had been raised and believed like I believed. And I found out that they were sincere and genuine and they loved God and God was doing incredible things in the world in their lives and around them. And what I wanna suggest to you, Ecclesia, is that one of the ways that God enchants the world. One of the ways God reveals God's self in the world is through the Holy Spirit. And not just through the Holy Spirit, but through the Holy Spirit in you. What if God is always right there, always in front of you, always with you. And you just don't know it. Because how, how do you make decisions? How do you decide to go to this school rather than that school? How do you decide whether to date this person or marry that person? How do you know that this is the right job to take or the right career field to go into? How do you know if this relationship in front of you is worth your time and energy and investment? How do you know when to stay and when to go? When's it time to move? How do you know? Because when you read the New Testament, one of the things things you figure out really quickly is that Jesus had a way of knowing and Jesus had a way of doing and everything that Jesus does, he does through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I'll just give you a couple. First of all, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit inside of Mary. Jesus preached by the power of the Spirit. He cast out demons by the power of the Spirit. He went around doing good and healing by the power of the Spirit. He lived a sinless life and gave his life on the cross by the power of the Spirit. He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And before he ascended into heaven, he gave instructions to his followers through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit which is odd if you pause for a moment because you think what I think, that Jesus is Jesus. And Jesus doesn't need anything. Jesus doesn't desire anything. doesn't have any wants. But Jesus, Jesus lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and we're off thinking that the Holy Spirit really is some sort of lesser God. Like there, there's Yahweh God and there's Jesus and then sort of bringing up the hind is the Holy Spirit. Most of us really want to be the kind of people who pray and consult God and think about God and we've given our lives to Jesus, but we don't spend two seconds 
discerning the Holy Spirit. How do you decide what to do? Well, let me tell you what most people do. We ask a friend. We read a book. We listen to a podcast. We listen to talk radio. We invite all of these voices. We'll listen to a TED Talk before we discern the Spirit. Mostly because we know what podcasts and TED Talks and cable news and talk radio, we know which ones we like and we know which ones will confirm what we already want to do. And the Holy Spirit really isn't all that investigate, all that interested in just confirming what you want. The Holy Spirit wants to determine what you do. And our disconnection from the Spirit has made us a people who are dismissive of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a presence that you can't understand. The Holy Spirit is a person to help you understand. I bet most of us spend most of our lives doing whatever it is we do without a moment's thought about being guided by the Spirit. And we want to be thoughtful. We want to be careful about all that because, yes, anyone can say that whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, that the Holy Spirit told them to. But the Apostle John warns us about this. This is what he says in 1 John 4. He says, my loved ones, I warn you, do not trust every spirit. Instead, examine them carefully to determine if they come from God. Because the corrupt world is filled with the voices of many false prophets. Here's how you know God's spirit. If a spirit affirms the truth that Jesus the anointed, our liberating king, has come in human flesh, then that spirit is from God. If a spirit does not affirm the true nature of Jesus, the anointed, then that spirit does not come from God and is, in fact, the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard about its coming. In fact, it is already active in the world. My children, you have come from God and have conquered these spirits because the one who lives within you is greater than the one who is in the world. But they are of this world and they articulate the views of the corrupt world, which the world understands. We come from God, and those who know God hear us. Whoever is not from God will not listen to us. This is the way we discern the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. There is a way to know the spirits And that way is whether or not this spirit affirms the truth that Jesus is Lord. Which is what we have called in Christian communities for centuries, an orthodox confession of faith, that Jesus is Lord. And we've said it so many times that it's kind of lost some of its juice, but here's what it means. That Jesus is Lord. 
and that everything and everyone in every place falls under the rule and reign of Jesus, including you and your life and your country and your family, that Jesus is Lord over all of it. And if something comes into your life and it affirms that truth, like that is, that is not a corrupt spirit. But we have this habit of not even checking, of not even knowing, because for us, the Holy Spirit has become an unknown, a forgotten God. But that's not actually what the scriptures teach. And not only is the Holy Spirit God, that it has a unique role in your life. This is what John says in John 14 about the Spirit. He says, if you love me, obey the commandments I have given you. I will ask the Father to send you another helper, the Spirit of truth, who will remain constantly with you. The world does not recognize the Spirit of truth, because it does not know the Spirit and is unable to receive Him. But you do know the Spirit because He lives with you and He will dwell in you. And this is the bombshell that not only is the Holy Spirit working and moving in the world, the Holy Spirit is working and moving in you. In you. That when we begin to see God's enchanted world, that it is not only about mystery and mountains, but the Spirit lives in you. About 20 years ago, my wife Rochelle and I knew a young, young woman who uh, became pregnant out of wedlock. And in that process, she rediscovered her faith, returned to God, but she was estranged from her baby's father. And so the family wanted to get to know their grandchild, their niece, all of that. And so after months and months of negotiation, she decided that she and the baby would actually come and visit them for Christmas. But it was, it was gonna be a long time. She's gonna be here for like a week with this family. And so she had this conversation with my wife and she said, the thing that I'm most worried about it's like being there for so long. And I know that family, like I've come back to God. I don't know if I want to be there with them for a whole week because there's no God there. And Rochelle told her, God is there when you're there. And the same is true for you. The Holy Spirit actually is inside of you and inside of you is an enchanted place.
So this is a cheesy story, but I like it, so I'm going to tell you anyway. There's a woman named Willie Murphy. And Willie is 82 years old. And in the middle of the night, late one night, she heard a banging on her front door. And on the other side of it was a man who said that uh, he wanted her to, her to let him in because he had been in a car accident and he wanted to call the police. Well, she was 82, she didn't trust him. So she called the police, but she didn't let him in. And it turns out that in reality, what he wanted to do was break in and rob the door. So she'd robbed the house. So she'd already gone to the back of the house. She didn't want to be close to him. So she heard him knock open the door and rush in. Well, when Willie heard this, she confronted him in the living room of the house. And she picked up a coffee table and smashed him over the head. Now, Willie is 82. But what you also have to know is Willie is a champion weightlifter in her age group. And so not only that, she gripped him in a headlock and started beating him with a broomstick. And it wasn't long after that, that the police actually showed up because she had called them. They put him in cuffs, carried him out to the car, came back into the house to take selfies with Willie. And I tell you that story to make this very cheesy point. There is actually power in the house. And inside of you, there is a beauty and a power because God has decided to live inside of you. This is why the Apostle Paul says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so while you're looking around at the oceans and the mountains, at the grandchildren, at all of the places that are enchanted, don't forget this. You are one of them. Let me pray for you. God, that you have come to indwell, to live within us. Lord, in so many ways, it's just beyond our ability to comprehend. And so would you allow us to hold closely to that truth? Lord, that when we feel alone and abandoned, when we are discouraged, when we are disappointed, God, when, when our feet take us to places we should not go, and when our hands find things they should not do, that you would remind us that we are your temple, that we hold power and beauty and enchantment, and that in all things, you are with us. And we ask it in your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.